It was low tide on the Sea of Galilee. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. Peter's spirit was at a low ebb. The risen Christ had appeared to him and the other disciples, but he was still feeling guilty about having betrayed Jesus. What was next? What had happened to his confidence? Had he thrown away his calling? We're speculating a bit about what Simon was feeling because we have all felt like that, like we've moved far away from the Lord. Our sermon today is Fresh Fish for Breakfast. It had been a mad rush. Four busy years of high school, all kinds of opportunities of leadership, four years at Grace College, all kinds of travel and leadership opportunities, graduation. I had some disappointing experiences the last part of my senior year in college, and uh, I went to work at a Bible college, a Bible conference grounds out on the Atlantic Ocean in the Chesapeake Bay. I was probably physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted. For sure, I was uncertain. I didn't know whether God wanted me to go become a doctor or whether he wanted me to be an evangelist. Or I just had no idea exactly what God wanted me to do. It seemed everybody else knew, but I, but I didn't. And then I, uh, well, I came to a point where I wasn't sure any longer that everything I had believed and been taught was really true. Oh, I didn't doubt that Jesus was God, and I knew I was headed home to eternity someday when my life was over. That wasn't the issue. That wasn't the question. The question was, what was I going to do about all this? One late evening, I went down to the cove. That was the lower part where you went down steps, and you could actually go down to the water level of the Chesapeake Bay down there. The conference ground was up on the ridge. And I sat down there straddling a stump, foot here and here, and watching the waves gently lap in Chesapeake Bay and watching the sunset. And I'm sitting there thinking, actually, I'm talking out loud. I'm saying stuff like this, God, I don't know what you want in my life. Used to think I knew for sure. Up until a couple of weeks ago, I had very clear direction, and now, what's next? Matter of fact, God, uh, matter of fact, uh, I'm having times when I really doubt that, really doubt that, really doubt that I have any significance at all. Now, God met me in that cove that evening. Best way I can describe it is, it was as if he came over, stood behind me. It was as if he put his hand on my shoulder. And I felt a deep peace well up from inside. I don't know how long I sat there, just absolutely overwhelmed with the presence of God. May have been minutes, may have been longer. I just remember distinctly that I became very much aware again of the birds singing. I became aware that the sun had dipped deeper. I became aware that the water lapping at my feet. 
But I knew, I knew, and I still know. Jesus touched my life that day. And from that moment coming up out of the cove, I've never had reason to look back. That's kind of what was going on in Peter's life. If you want to turn there to John chapter 21, Peter had had three years of following the Lord Jesus Christ, learning to be a fisher of men. He'd done it all. He'd perform miracles. He'd watch Jesus. He'd eat miracle food. He'd been to the empty sepulcher. Of course, he had also failed, cursed and swore that he ever knew Jesus. He'd whipped out his sword tried to defend Jesus. And he had seen Jesus. On several occasions, he'd seen Jesus. Now he's back up in Galilee, where he grew up. Back up where his dad and his brother Andrew, and he had been in the fishing business when Jesus came by that day and called him to leave nets and follow him. Not only had he failed, but I'm sure he was deeply disappointed Disappointed because he thought that Jesus, as king of the Jews, would establish an earthly physical kingdom in Jerusalem. And it hadn't happened. So a bit disenfranchised, a bit confused, probably a bit ashamed of himself, he decided, I'm going to go back fishing. See it there in verse 3? There were six other guys with him. They'd become close friends during the three years of following the Lord Jesus. And when Peter said, guys, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to what's familiar. I'm, I'm going back to something I can do where I feel safe. And they said, we're going with you. And the text tells us they fished all night and caught nothing. The next morning, as the dawn began, standing over in the mist, about 100 yards, about the length of a football field from where they were out in the sea, there was a figure over there, and the figure yelled out across the water, Say, lads, you don't have any food, do you? Before they could answer, the voice said, Cast your net on the right side of the ship. They did. And they caught so many fish that they couldn't get the net with the fish into the boat. You know, I've wondered many years why Jesus didn't walk out on the water that morning. He could have. Remember, he did it during the storm. He could have done that. But he didn't. He stood off there in a distance, not really intruding, pointing out very graciously that, fellas, it's not going very well for you, and then providing a demonstration which required obedience to his word. And the minute they obeyed what he said, instantly they had fish. Well, John, the beloved disciple, said, hey, that's got to be the Lord. And Peter, impetuous Peter, he grabs his outer garment, throws it on, and he jumps in the water and begins to swim as hard he can toward the shore. We don't know what Peter said in those few moments he had alone with Jesus before the rest of the guys came in dragging the fish after them. Scripture leaves some things covered by silence. I'll bet you they were precious times. 
I bet you Peter told some things to Jesus then that uh, he couldn't tell his disciples. He couldn't tell his friends. He couldn't tell his parents. But there alone on the bank, he could tell Jesus. I sense that that's where some of us are this morning. You know the gospel story better than I do. You could quote it in the Greek and cite it in the Hebrew. And you can even distinguish between the King James Version and the Living Bible. <laughs> you know it's true. And you probably made a decision back there some years ago to follow the Lord. But uh, something went south. I don't know. Maybe you failed like I did. Maybe you just ran out of steam like I did. Maybe like Peter, you made a fool of yourself. I mean, big time. You, I mean, you, did, you didn't do a little sin. I mean, you did a big time sin. And you can't forgive yourself. And you've been fishing, fishing, fishing. Not denying, not denying your faith. Not denying that Jesus is Lord. But creating distance. See, not denying, but creating distance. And Jesus has been standing on the shore calling to you. He's been giving you impressions, directions, and you've even been resisting. You don't want to cast the net on the right side because you're desperately afraid that it may be Jesus. Listen to me this morning. Come on in off the lake. Jesus has breakfast ready. The thing Peter had to learn was that what Jesus wanted more than anything else from Peter was not his doing things. It was his love and fellowship. And in those few quiet moments, Peter and Jesus had a chance to get some things straightened out. And I pray this morning you'll take that opportunity. You know, Jesus is calling you. You walk into the grocery store and you hear silent night, holy night, and back in the back of your heart, there's a strange stirring. When those words were powerful and expressed your worship of the Lord back before, but you'd rather fish, and you've been turning them off. Jesus has been calling out to you a hundred thousand ways, wanting you to know that he knows everything about the failures. He knows everything about your confusion. He knows everything there is to know about you. And the thing he misses most is your fellowship, your friendship. Well, the other disciples got there, and you remember Peter hauled all the fish up himself. As once he had had this conversation with Jesus and knew that everything was okay between himself and Jesus, that the slate was clear there, he had unusual, unusual strength. And then they had breakfast. And then, publicly, Jesus asked Peter three questions. Now, there are two different words used for love here, and I don't want to get technical this morning. just want you to know that uh, I did my homework. Here's how the questions went. Peter, do you love me more than all these? These what? 
Certainly, it was a reminder to Peter that he had once boasted that he loved Jesus so much that though everybody else would forsake him, Peter would die rather than deny Jesus. And in that zealous self-confidence, he had boasted, and now he looked back upon the ashes of failure, embarrassment. He had really blown it. That surely was a part of the question. Also, it must have included the fishing business. Jesus is saying, Peter, do you love me more than you love the nets, the sea, the home, your family? Peter, do you love me? That's the second question. Or did you enjoy the trip with me? Are you fascinated by the benefits that uh, you get by following me? Or do you really love me? Me, Jesus. Jesus, do you love me? And then the third question is, Peter, how much do you love me? The third question, Jesus moved from the verb he was using, agapao, to the verb that Peter was using, phileo. And he's saying, Peter, do you really love me? I mean, really? Peter was grieved the third time because Jesus changed his verb to Peter's verb. And that upset Peter. And Peter responded, Lord, you know the depths of my heart. You know all that there is to know about me. Lord, you know that I love you. Now, Jesus is asking those same questions of me today and each of you who know him as Lord and Savior. Do you love Jesus Christ more than anything else in the world and anybody else in the world? Do you love him? Ah, we sing about it, we talk about it, we testify about it, we, we do lots of things supposedly in his name. We go to prayer meetings, we go to Bible studies, we, we do lots of things, but do those things issue forth from a genuine love for the Lord Jesus Christ? How much do we love him? And each of us must answer that question personally. I had to answer that question again in the code. Peter had to answer that question again on the seashore. It's fascinating. Jesus had originally called Peter to be a fisher of men. You know what you do with fish when you catch them? What do you do with them? You clean them. And there are some evangelists, and they're fishers of men, and that's all they knew to do is catch them and clean them. Scale them, bone them. People become objects, just things, you know. You catch them, scale them, and if they're significant in the world's eyes, you even make a trophy out of them. Pictures on the office wall. There I am with so-and-so who came to know Jesus Christ. See, that's what fishermen do. Jesus needed to communicate to Peter that that part of his ministry was going to shift, and Jesus was going to make him a shepherd of sheep. What do you do with sheep? You raise them, you protect them, you feed them so that they will produce lambs and you protect them and feed them, and guide them, care for them and they protect lambs. And from that you get wool and you get mutton and you get a lot of other byproducts that come from the bounty of sheep. Peter, if you love me, I want you to shepherd my sheep, my sheep. Now, note the connection. 
Jesus didn't say, Peter, if you love me, love my sheep. He said, Peter, if you love me, take care of my sheep. Sheep can be difficult. They bite. They're belligerent. And sometimes they do things that put them in harm's way. And the shepherd must anticipate that and must put himself often at risk in order to benefit the sheep. But Jesus reminded Peter that the sheep are very important to me. They are my sheep. I call them each by name. They hear my voice and they follow me. Peter, I'm calling you, if you love me, to get involved with my sheep. And Jesus is saying the same thing to each of us this morning who know him. I want you to be involved in helping my sheep, my lambs, the little ones, those that are fresh to the faith, those that are not yet in the faith, but moving in the direction of trusting Christ. I want you to be involved in their lives. I want you to help feed the flock. I want you to help shepherd. I want you to get involved in the lives of people who are important to me. Not because those people are lovely, not because those people want you, but because I want you, out of your love for me, to become involved in the lives of my sheep. And then Jesus said a strange thing to Peter. He said, Peter, when you were younger, he said, you kind of dressed like you wanted to and you went where you wanted to go. But when you're older, or as you mature, you're going to stretch forth your hand and somebody else is going to clothe you and take you where you do not want to go. This he said, John tells us, this he said, signifying or identifying the death Peter would die through which Peter would glorify Jesus. Now note that. Some of us here this morning don't have the vigor and energy of youth. Our capacities have been diminished. We are in the process of dying. And it's more obvious to us now than it was 15 or 50 years ago. And what Jesus wanted Peter to know was that, Peter, if you follow me and feed my sheep, even in death, you can glorify God. See, Jesus is not interested in busyness. What Jesus is interested in is for us to follow him and to focus our love upon him and then to engage in helping his sheep do well. Well, Peter, (laughs) I love that guy. Peter saw John standing there and he turns to the Lord Jesus and he does a very papal thing. Well, Jesus since I'm supposed to shepherd the sheep. What's this guy John going to do? And Jesus said, that's none of your business. If it's my desire that he lives until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. Some of us here this morning pointed other people and their failures And we excuse ourselves from being involved. Some of us point at other people and their failures, 
And we think ourselves better than they because of their failures, and we think that they ought to answer to us. And some of us here this morning are timid about becoming involved because we're afraid of what other people might say about us. And we might fail again. And what will they think then? Listen to me this morning. Hear the liberating word of the Lord Jesus Christ as he says to Peter, if I will that he tarry till I come, that's none of your concern. You have one thing to do. Follow me. And as for John, I'm very capable of telling John what to do and where to go. I have a plan for John's life, and I'm not going to reveal that to you, Peter. You don't have to be between me and John. I'll get the message to John directly, thank you. I'll not need you to be my intermediary. I'll talk to John. I'll take care of John. John is my responsibility. Your responsibility, Peter, is follow me. That's it. Follow me. Follow me. That means wherever I go, you go. That means whatever I do, you copy. That means make my concerns your concerns. That means just become like me. Well, Peter apparently followed the Lord's direction. Just a couple days later, he happened to be in Jerusalem when the Spirit of God interrupted a prayer meeting came upon the believers, brought the church into existence, gave power and relationship to all of those who were there in the upper room. And it was Peter who stood up and said to the mocking crowds, these men are not drunk with new wine, as you suspect. What's happened to these folks is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. And let me tell you something. That Jesus whom you crucified, God has raised from the dead, He's sitting at the right hand of the Most High God in heaven, and he has sent forth this, which you now see and hear. And this fulfills the prophecy of David. It gives testimony and assurance that Jesus is God. And if you're sparked, you will make peace with God through Jesus Christ. Different Peter, because... He had a fish breakfast with Jesus and became re-engaged in the ministry. Do you love me? Yes, the Lord may keep asking us that. And yes, he does know the answer. And yes, it may hurt. But we have to know. Fresh fish for breakfast is the name of Jim's sermon. Personally, I'd rather have something with flakes than with fins that early in the morning. But if Jesus is cooking, pass the tartar sauce. We heard the entire message today. We'll send it to you on CD for a gift of $7 or more. Special Works Jesus Did is the name of our current series. And you can have all 13 sermons in a CD album for an offering of $45 or more. Thanks to the team, the family, the partners for making all of this happen again today. You've put your trust in us, and we feel honored by that. If the Lord is putting it on your heart to help, we welcome your prayers and gifts, especially at this time of year when things can get a little tight, frankly. You can mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 
4-3085-USA or call us at 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. And come by our website, rightstartradio.org. Vacation travels may take you out of range of the broadcast, but you can still be connected through the podcast. That's hosted on iTunes, but we can link you to it from our site. If you'd rather listen to Pastor Jim's complete sermons, you can play or download those. And there's a way to donate, email us, and more at rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. Would more miracles convince more people of the truth of who Jesus is? Not necessarily. We'll be back in the Gospel of John tomorrow. Please join us then for the next Right Start. Thank you.